0: You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit CrosspointChurchTX.org. Well, howdy. How's everybody? So glad that you're here, guys. Uh, Let's let's jump into this. Uh, So we find Sam and Frodo... In the middle of a war, the the fellowship is broken. Um, The uh, things are looking grim, to say the least. And now for for Sam and Frodo, um, they're going back and forth. They still have a long way to go on their journey of what they're trying to accomplish. And Sam utters these words to Frodo. He says, I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. Wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into, and I think that's a really good question. Do you ever wonder, maybe what sort of tale you and I have fallen into? Um, the great story that's going on all around us. Chris talked last week about the story, right? He talked about the Bible and how we received it and what it means to us. And and, and this morning we have uh, an opportunity to talk about the author of that story. Now, stealing from stealing from C.S. Lewis, uh, if the if the author wanted those in the story to know the author, how would he do that? Now, I'm talking more than just knowing facts about somebody. If the author of the story would have those in the story. know, like Gnosko, no. Chris always talks about that Gnosko, no to truly know him. There's only one way he could do that. The author would have to write himself in to the story. He'd have to write himself in. And so um, that's where we are this morning. So let's, let's just pray. Uh, dear Jesus, I need you. I need you to try to um, explain even a little bit of who you are. And so as we jump into this, God, I pray for your spirit. I pray that you would just show um, us what it, what it means to, to know you. And um, I pray that you would just uh, make it plain, make it clear. Um, God, may I be helpful. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, if the author of the story didn't want to be known, he wouldn't have to be known. And, and like many religions in the world, um, we would have a far-off and an impersonal God running the show. Um, many think that God may have just spun the world into existence and we have what we have and we're kind of just doing our thing, but the God of the Bible, we see something very different. The, the God that we see in the Bible is both infinite and personal. He's both infinite and personal. No other God that is worshiped by man is both infinite and personal like the God of the Bible. As I prepare to talk with you this morning, one of the one of the glorious things, the amazing truth that's really hit me. And I keep coming back to is that God desires to be known. He desires to be known. And that statement right there would put us at odds with several world religions. Uh, The God of the universe wants to truly be known. And now I'm not sure if you're regularly odd, but that should do it. Um, If you truly pondered that the author of the story the creator of the heavens and the earth is a personal God, and he desires to be known. Is that crazy? Anybody else? That's, that's amazing to me. So let's break this down even more. Before we talk who is God, I, I want to talk what is God. But, but what, there's, a, there's a problem here. We get to the book of Job. It says, can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are high as the heavens. What can you do? deeper than Sheol. What can you know? And then in Psalm 145, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is what it, it's unsearchable, unsearchable. Um, yet that same God, that same God that we see in Job and, and Psalm, um, has revealed himself to us in his desire to be known. We get to see what he's like. And that's, that's a, an amazing thing. So I've got a bit of a disclaimer for you. Okay. So my disclaimer is that I am going to scratch the surface of scratching the surface of trying to get to anything resembling like explaining God. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a crazy task to even talk about. Um, but today is, I, I just want you to see a little piece of how much he wants you to know him. Okay. I, I also hope that maybe it stirs your affections for God a little bit more. If you're already a follower, I hope it brings you to a desire to know him more and to, to seek to worship him, worshiping him in spirit and truth. Now, if you don't know the God of the Bible, if you, if you're doing, if you would say, I do not have an allegiance with Jesus, I, I hope that this whole series of foundations would invite you to lean in, to lean in and to, to, to know the God, this God more and more. Uh, may he draw you in, uh, not drawn by me or by Chris or by any, any of that, but by the one who draws the hearts of people. That that's what we're after. Um it's going to be helpful for a lot of you if you get the notes. I have all the verses and if you're going to try to write all this down, I have all the verses and notes in there. Um, any of these qualities and attributes we're about to go through, uh, they're not exhaustive. I just have a few attributes that kind of point to the different qualities and attributes of God. Um, but all of that, if you if you want to go deeper, man, go start there and then just see where that takes you because it's going to it's going to be great. Um, so the first thing I want you to think about when we start thinking what is God. Um, The Westminster has a a shorter catechism that they they answer lots of different questions. And on the fourth question, they answer this. They ask, what is God? And their answer is this. God is spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. God is spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So the first thing we've got to see is we start looking at just some attributes of God. We we see that God exists. He exists. Now, um, I don't know if anybody else gets frustrated like I do, but sometimes as I'm reading through the Bible, God doesn't really explain himself. Right? Nor should he. Right? But he doesn't explain himself. You start reading in the Bible, you start seeing in the beginning God. Now, I've got a lot of questions even before that, right? Like, I mean, like, what's going on here? You start getting into the whole creation story. Man, there's lots of questions here. And a lot of times you have questions, even if they are answered, sometimes it leads to more questions that you have unanswered, right? And that, that's what we feel. Um, but, but right there we see God exists. The next thing we see is God is self-existent, okay? So he's self-existent, uh, self-existent, meaning that he's all-sufficient, he's independent, he doesn't really need us. Okay, and that that might burst some of our bubble. Some people think that the axis of the world goes through their head. And that's not what we see here, right? We see that God is completely sufficient. In Acts 17, it would say that the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Man. God is, God is necessary. He's necessary. Um, how many of you right now are willing your heart to beat its next beat? You're making that happen. How many of you like just, just like thinking about it, like, man, I'm make this happen? We're just not. There's so many things in the entire universe that are in God's hands. He's making it happen. We don't even understand any of it, um, but, but he is necessary. We would see in Job, um, if, if he should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath... All flesh would perish together, and man would return to dust. He's keeping all this going. We see in Colossians one seventeen, and He is before all things, and in Him what all things hold together. Right? We're 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 here because He allows it. We're you know, if He didn't want me here, I wouldn't be here. Right? And that's just that's just the, the answer to it. To it. Um, the next thing we see, and something that. A lot, if you're reading God's word, you're going to see over and over again is the the picture of God being holy. And if you're like me, sometimes I think about Isaiah six or revelation four, and I think about the four living creatures that are all flying around God day and night saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. I think about that when I think of God's holiness. I think it's being declared above him all the time. Um, John Piper would say this. He would say his holiness is what he is. As God that nobody else is. It is his quality of perfection that can't be improved upon, that can't be imitated, that is incomparable, that determines all that he is and is determined by nothing from outside him. It signifies his worth, his intrinsic, infinite value. But then he goes on to kind of compare God's holiness to his concept of glory. If you're reading through the Word, you're going to see this concept of glory throughout the Bible. And what, and what John Piper says is that the glory of God is the manifest beauty of His holiness. It is the going public of His holiness. So when God is about, you know, He's, He's cons- all consumed with His glory, it's because His holiness demands it. It's because when he's showing off and doing the things he's doing and loving us the way he loves us, it's his holiness that's showing off. And all of it is about God's glory. Now, I, I just love that picture. Uh, the next thing we see is that God is spirit. God is spirit. Um, his being is not made up of matter. He's, he has no parts. He has no size. He has no dimensions. Okay? So uh, John four twenty four. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Right? So the concept of spirit, kind of tied to that, is that God is invisible. Because he is spirit, no one can see God's total essence, okay? They can't see his total essence. And in John 1, 18, no one has ever seen God. Now, how that works exactly, if you go through the Old Testament, you start seeing... Abraham, you start seeing Jacob, you start seeing Moses, these people that have encounters to God. I've seen God face to face this whole picture. I do not understand that. I don't understand how God can say uh, God can create these manifestations of himself, but it's not really, it's not his total essence. So it's this whole picture that, that we can still say no one has ever seen God. Uh, but then what I do know is that, and later in John fourteen nine, Jesus would say, whoever has seen me has seen the father. And I can, I can, I can hold on to that. Because, man, um, I've, I, I've seen Jesus and in, in, in just in uh, in, the, in God's word, and, I, and I, I can say, man, I've seen the Father because I've seen Jesus, and that's, a, that's an amazing truth. Um, next thing is, God is sovereign. It means he has freedom. He's under no authority. No one outside of himself decides what he will or what he will not do, right? It's up to his will. Um, in Psalm 115, it says, he does all that he pleases. He does all that he pleases. Uh, and... and Tied to that is his omnipotence, okay? Um, Being that God is all-powerful. Jeremiah 32 would declare that nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is too hard for him. The next thing we would look at is God is immutable, immutable, being that he's unchangeable, okay? Um, He's unchangeable in several different aspects. He's unchangeable in his being, unchangeable in his attributes, unchanging in his purposes, and unchanging in his promises, right? Right? Um, and so Malachi 3, 6 would say, for I, the Lord, do not change. Uh, so we see that. Um, another thing that we've got to come to grips with is that God is wrathful t- towards sin. Now, for Christ followers, the wrath that we deserve is fully given to Jesus. But those that, who would reject Jesus would receive the full wrath of God. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a, a sobering truth. Um, we also see that God is personal. One of the things that just kind of hits me as you're reading through, you're going to see the, the names of God, which is an amazing study. If you ever go through the names of God, but we see this, the, the name that's often called of God of Yahweh or Jehovah. It's a, it's a name that specifies immediacy or a presence. Yahweh is a present, accessible, and he's near to those who call on him for deliverance. You see that, that he's a personal God. Um, how personal is our God? Matthew 10. He knows how many hairs are on your head. How crazy is that? Um, God is knowable. This is one of the things that just keeps hitting me as I've I've been studying for this is that uh, we can know things about him, but but we can actually get to know God personally. Um, John 17, three, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Wow, man. um, The other thing that we, the next picture we see is that God is triune. And this just kind of just gets you all over. Um, Wayne Grudem, uh, who writes a lot of systematic theology books and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, he, he was very helpful in my study for all this. So if you say, man, I want to go, i want to find more, uh, more about some of this, go find Wayne Grudem. You'll see a lot. Um, it says this, uh, he says this God eternally exists as three persons, father, son, and Holy spirit. And each is fully God. And there is one God. Okay. So he manifests himself in three persons. Yet there's, uh, He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and, and, but there's one God, all right? So Genesis 1.26 would say, just look at the plurality in this. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, right? You see that picture of, of a plurality, which, just, which even the rabbis of, of, of old and of today that don't believe in the Christ would say they don't understand the plurality that they see in the Old Testament. Uh, we see it as a, a picture of Trinity, but uh, they, they don't. Um, and so you have this little uh, concept here this little, this was from got questions. It was just, it was helpful to me. Just this whole picture of, you see the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, they're, they're all God. Uh, so the father is God. The son is God. The Holy spirit is God, but the the father is, they're still distinct that the the father is not the Holy spirit. The son is not the Holy spirit. Uh, the father is not the son. And so you kind of get that whole picture. Um, uh, so yeah, that's just, it's such a, We'll keep talking more about that. I promise. Okay, so uh, so uh, next thing we see is God is love. First uh, John four eight. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Um, we see John in John seventeen. Jesus is praying that we would know, uh, that we would know Him. We'd have a, 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 a unity the way that He is with His Father, um, the way that that God loved Him before the foundations of the world. Um, we see that God is eternal. Before the foundations of the world, He has no beginning or end or succession of events in His own being. That uh, he is the Alpha and Omega, right? Um, we see that God is omnipresent. He cannot be limited by material space because he created it. Um, Jeremiah 23, uh, can, I, can a man hide himself in secret places that I, I, so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill, fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Um, we, can't, we can't hide anywhere from the Lord. Um, so with that, we also see that the picture of God is omniscient. He, he, he fully knows himself and all actual and possible things. Now this is kind of hard to fathom, but you you see several places in scripture where Jesus was even talking about like he knows alternate like alternate realities. This whole whole picture of like Matthew 11, um he's denouncing a city that he he did all kinds of amazing works in, and he's saying, gosh, if I had done if I had done those same works in this, these other cities, they would have all been uh they would have all repented and come come to know me. And so like he he even knows just kind of how those kind of things would work, which just totally blows my mind. Uh and Wow. Uh, so we also see God is wise, God is truthful, God is righteous and just. Okay. So God is righteous and just. Uh, we we see God is perfect. So Matthew five forty eight. Your heavenly Father is perfect. Your heavenly Father is perfect. So with every single attribute that you're that you're hearing today, today all of those are done in perfection. So um, he can be perfect in love and perfect in justice. And sometimes we just don't understand that. Sometimes we're reading the old Testament and he goes and commands that they go and wipe out a people group. You're like, I just don't, I, that, that doesn't sound like God to me, but he's still perfect in love and perfect in justice, even in those commands. And, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's what we see. Um, God is blessed. He, he fully delights in himself and all that that reflects his character. Um, God is, God is beautiful. You hear David saying, I want to all the days of my life. I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Um, we see that even in this, that there's a, there's a unity that he's not more of one attribute than another. He's not like more love than he is justice. No, no. He's, he's, uh, he's a hundred percent. he's, he's full, perfect in all of these things. Um, and, man, aren't you glad he, he's good. He's good. He's good. No one is good except God alone. Jesus would say he's the standard of good. So he can go and he can declare it's good. He can declare it's very good. And, uh, it's, it's because he is the standard. Uh, we would see in Exodus uh, 20 that God is jealous. God is jealous. And sometimes you and I think about a petty jealousy, right? We think about people that are just being selfish or just being um, kind of about themselves and kind of missing the whole picture of, man, that when God wants all worship and uh, all glory to be his because he knows that that's the proper place for all glory and all worship. And so if it's anywhere else, he's uh, He's not about that. And so, um, so it, his jealousy makes sense. Um, God wills what he will, he wills what he will, um, in him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, all things, according to the counsel of his will, he works out all things. Um, so, so the next, the next picture that we're going to see is the, just the question of who is God. And so I wanted to dive in just to a couple places where God describes himself. Okay. So let's just look at that really quick. Um, uh, Exodus 3:14. We see Moses before he's going to go before uh, before God's people, saying, "Okay, now how how do I describe you? If, I, if, I, if they ask who sent me, who do I say?" And and God would answer, "I am who I am." And He said, "Say this to the people of Israel: I am has sent me to you." I don't know about you, but that may not feel super helpful to Moses in the moment. He, <laughs> uh, he's, gonna, he's like, that's just going to confuse him probably. But, uh, but, that's, that's, uh, but then God goes on further. We see in Exodus 34, the, the Lord proclaiming, the Lord passes before him and proclaims this. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children's and children's children to the third and fourth generation. Um, but just that, that picture of his love, he, he, he is patient even in the midst of, of, of um, just having to bring justice. He, he's still patient in that. Uh, we see in the great Shema of the, of, the, of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Just that that picture of, of, of him desiring that we... Uh, that we see he is um, he he is God and he is one. Um that picture of one God we see it in the New Testament also. We see it when we start talking baptism, right? In the in the great commission whenever he he commands us to go it, he says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we're going to celebrate today a baptism. We're going to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's a uh, that's an that's an exciting thing. Um right, Ella <laughs> all right. So, um, so, uh, one thing I want you to understand is that, that, um, there's not, there's not parts of God. The Trinity does, the Trinity does not divide God into three parts. It's not, um, each, each person is hundred percent God. It's not like the father's a third and the, the son is a third and the Holy spirit's a third. It's not, it's not what we're looking at. We're hundred, are hundred percent God. They're fully God. Um, and we see them all called God throughout scripture and just that whole picture. And they come together in a singularity. Now, I want to see like three instances in the Bible where we see the Trinity come together to be able to accomplish um, his purpose. And so uh, look at that with me as we look at creation. Okay, so we start thinking creation. We've got to look at the father first. So we look at the father. We see that he is uh, as we look at creation. The father is the architect. Okay, he's the designer of it all. So when we see in in Genesis one, one in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth man, it, it, he, he is the architect. It's, it's, it's all about him. Uh, now the son comes on the, on the scene. He, he is the, he's the agent, right? He's the agent by him. All things are made. We see that uh, in creation. And where do we see that? We see that in, in John one, one, as uh, we see another, another picture of the beginning in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So this picture of the sun being a part of creation, that uh, nothing was made um, without being made through Jesus. Um, then we also see the same, same kind of truth in Colossians 1. He is the image of being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together right? So we see that, that full picture of the sun, uh, being, being right there as a part of creation. Uh, but we also see the spirit, um, the spirit joins in on things. He plays, uh, he plays the role of sustaining and manifesting God's presence in, in creation. So, um, we already kind of read there at the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but then right in verse two, we see here's the Holy spirit, right? Uh, so we see, uh, the earth was, was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. It's a kind, of, kind of a crazy, mysterious picture there. Um, but each person of the Trinity has a distinct role, has a distinct, distinct function. What I mean by, by distinct is that same picture, that the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father. That, that, that full picture of, of how things work. It, you see a triune God working together to do the things that God does. Doing all that. Now I want to look at the picture of incarnation. So when I say incarnation, that's, that's God putting on flesh and coming to earth. Okay. So, uh, that, that so let's, let's see a picture of that. Um, so in, in that we're going to see, uh, first off Galatians four, the father sends the son. Okay. So the father is sending the son, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. OK, so we see we see the father sending. Right. So uh, father has sent Jesus to earth. So we see that picture um, now with the son. We, we hear him also saying, yes, the father sent me. So we get to get to John eight forty two. Jesus said to them, if uh, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I'm here. I came not on my own accord, but he sent me. OK, so see that that, that it's not that Jesus came begrudgingly. Um, because we're going to see a picture of that But we see Jesus is all about the obedience to the father Okay, so that he's he's all consumed with that He wants to be he's about the obedience of the father And that's easy to miss sometimes because we think it we kind of think me centered We kind of think it's all about me and Jesus came just for me No, it, it, it's all about the, the father. It's all about the glory of God And so uh, he uh, god determined that the greatest glory he would get is uh, Through sending his son to die for mankind. And so uh, that, that's that's the picture we see um, John eight, eight 31. I, uh, you see Jesus saying, I do as I do as the father has commanded me so that the world may know that uh, I love the father. So you see that picture of obedience. He's, he's just doing it out of love. Um, also in John eight. Um, so Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will see, uh, and know that I am he that, and, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So just that full picture. Um, then we also see the picture of uh, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent during the incarnation, uh, the agent of the incarnation. So we see in John one uh, at, and, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth of uh, Jesus becoming flesh. How, how does that happen? How does that come about? Um, it comes about through the Holy Spirit doing the impossible, right? Uh, he has a virgin give birth to, to, to a baby, and that, that's the, the person of Jesus. And we can, we can celebrate Christmas all the time, right? Everybody with, kind of with me on that? Uh, so we see, see Luke 1, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, answering this to Mary, and uh, the, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be, uh, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Uh, so so Christ would not be the, the, the God man apart from the power of the spirit forming his humanity in Mary's flesh. So just see that just the incarnation, Jesus coming, it, Father, Son, Spirit, all of them have a role. All of them are making that happen. Um, now, just a, a couple of things just for some clarification um, is you see an equality in the Trinity. Okay, there's an equality there. While, while we while we, we see the Son sum, submissive to the Father, we see the Spirit in submission to both the Father and the Son. But this is not a picture of subordination where one God is, uh, where where the Son is less than the Father or something like that. That's not, that's not what the picture we're seeing here. No, there's an equality in their deity, even though they're um, even though they're they're um, in submission. Okay, so so don't don't let that people get confused by that sometimes. Uh, this is also not tritheism where we, uh, see that the father, son and Holy spirit are three gods. Okay. So that's, that's not what we're seeing here. Uh, this is also not an, another word you may not know, but another is, is not modalism where the father became the son who became that became the spirit. There's some uh, world religions that would believe in that. And that's not what we're seeing here. Um, we believe in three distinct persons in one essence. Okay. So, um, uh, there's a diversity in their singularity. Okay, uh, and I know this is as clear as mud. Sometimes I try to explain some of this stuff, but um, it's one personal God who manifests Himself in three persons. Um, this sets us apart from the Muslims. Okay, so the Muslims would deny Trinity. They, they would say it's blasphemy if we suggest plurality or that if that Jesus was in any way deity, uh, that would be a huge offense to them. Um, many people would say, "Can't we just look back at Abraham and can just kind of all get along?" Uh, but we can't because fundamentally we we think that God is someone different, right? It's it's, it's different because because of the way He shows Himself in Trinity, and so that, that's 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 that. Um, it also put us put us at odds with several cults in the world. So be it Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, uh, some others um, we, would, we would see that there's a subordinate a subordinate relationship of uh, of lesser gods or not being deity in some of those. Um, so that, that whole picture. So now when it comes to the picture of salvation, um, we see that the father, okay, so, uh, let's, let's look at salvation. The father chose us before the foundation of the world and predetermined our adoption as children through Jesus Christ. So have, the Father, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to you coming to know Jesus, uh, the Father is the administrator of salvation. So he oversees the whole process from beginning to end. So that he's, he's making it all happen. So in Ephesians 1, it would say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the beloved. So, if you have any questions about predestination, go talk to Paul afterwards. Uh, that would be great. Uh, but, but no. Uh, but just this whole picture of of of, of Jesus um, having the Father send, it, the Father's orchestrating all of this that He's come and um, the Father has predestined those who, who will know Him. Uh, does that mean we just sit back and just let, let everybody just kind of uh, let, the, let the chips lay with their will? No, there's an active part of us telling people about Jesus and that we, we don't know uh, who he's, who's been predestined or not. So we tell everybody uh, and find find those that, that come to know him. And that's a, that's a picture we see. Um, and, and then I love in John, John six forty four, just that picture of uh, no one can come come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I, I will raise him up on the last day. So that picture of the father drawing. Um, so if you have somebody that doesn't know Jesus, your prayer could be, man, God, draw them to you. And then you want for the other prayer would be that their heart would be receptive. And so that, that full picture. The next thing we see is the picture of the Son. Uh everything the Father does for our salvation, he does with Christ as an agent. Um and it's through the Son that we receive salvation. So uh John three, sixteen and through seventeen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The world might be saved through him. So um so we, we see that the son is, is the agent by which we're, we're saved. It's because Christ put on flesh, came to earth and did what he did, living the perfect life, dying the death we deserve, that we're able to be able to be with God forever. It's only through him. It's not through any works that we do. Right. Uh, so so praise God for that. I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Um, so uh, and then we see the spirit. The spirit is, is who changes us from the inside out. The Spirit, uh, the Spirit has a role in regeneration. The Spirit would uh, be a guarantee for us being a part of the eternal kingdom, establishing us as children of God. Uh, the Holy Spirit guides and leads us, reminding us that we're children of God and then it, that, that we're also co-heirs with Christ. And what, what an amazing picture. Um, and so Titus 3, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, not done by us, um, but according to his own mercy by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So you're seeing even that picture of, man, the Holy Spirit in, inside of salvation doing all that we're called to do. And that's that's amazing to me. Um, and, and all of this, guys, all of this is just scratching the surface of who God is. Just scratching the surface. We're not, we're not getting into almost anything of, 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 of the depths of this. But it, it's just to, to wet the appetite a little bit. Go check out some of those verses. See who God is. See some of those attributes. See the distinctness of the, of the Trinity inside of all these pictures. Creation, incarnation, uh, salvation. You see it in other places, too. Go look at Jesus' baptism. Go see all the ways that we're seeing that, that God is, is triune. But, man, God is loving. God wants you to know him even in the midst of us. And uh, he wants you to know him deeply, deeply, know him well, and um, uh, to be in awe of, of, a, of a God that loves us the way that he loves us. I hope you go and you see a picture of, of just marveling at his plan to bring salvation to us. Um, and then the, the last thing I'll, I'll share with you is just this whole idea of prayer. Think about this the next time you pray, that uh, C.S. Lewis would say that that prayer is we're, we're praying to God through the agency of the Son, through the agency of the Son, and the Holy Spirit is leading us to pray, convicting of sin and stirring our hearts. So when, when you pray, you're praying to God, through God, and with God. You're praying to God, through God, and with God. Every single time you pray, there's Trinity happening right in that moment, that, that he is, in, in, as a part of your prayer, Trinity is, is, is a part of that right there, the triune God who, who loves you and sent his son to die is right there. So, um, let's, let's pray right now and see, see that in action. Um, dear Jesus, we are thankful for the way that you love us. We're thankful that you would, um, would choose God to, to be a personal God that we could know you, that we could see a picture of God that, that you would leave heaven and, and come to earth, put on flesh, And condescend yourself to to live for us. God, as we get to celebrate baptism just just a little bit, God, may we see a picture and just celebrate the triune God. Celebrate and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because you have done a work. You have brought a a dead person alive. And, And that's an amazing truth. And so we celebrate you. And we celebrate that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.